0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Uh, Dear Saints, about six years ago, a 53-year-old American woman by the name of Kristen Zremski left Christianity and decided to become a Muslim. Now, this story hits a little close to home because she wasn't just any type of Christian. She was the same kind that you are. She was born and raised in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. She was baptized in the same water and heard the same word and confessed the same faith and even received the same body and blood of Christ as you did, as you do in the Lord's Supper. And then she left all of this to join Islam, a religion that rejects Christ, that sees him only as a man, as a very good person, but not as the Son of God. So, what happened? Well, this is what happened in Kristen's own words. This is what she says. She says, I was raised Lutheran, but converted to Catholicism when I was about 40. Uh, She married uh, married a man who was Roman Catholic and he ended up converting her to the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, And then she continues, she says, that had a huge impact on my later conversion to Islam. Because where the Lutheran Church believed in the Bible literally... The Catholic Church encouraged knowledge, questions, and also gave us the historical context for the books contained in the Christian canon. This allowed me to open my mind to the possibility that the Quran was truly the revealed word of God. Then she went on to say this. Once I came to believe this, it was an easy step to believe Muhammad was the messenger and prophet. The harder part was letting go of my belief that Jesus was the son of God. Ultimately, it was the passages in the Quran where God tells us that he was not begotten, nor has he begotten, and similar ones that finally helped me. Also, Jesus figures prominently in Islam, so I wasn't letting go of him, but just the idea that he is God. That was her in her own words. Uh, Let me tell you what she said in my words. (laughs) This is what Kristen is saying. She's saying, I grew up in the Lutheran church with one of those strict, rigid, by the book, Lutheran pastors and those stuffy Lutherans. And he never let me get away with reading the Bible how I wanted to read it or making it say what I thought it said, or interpreting it according to how I felt about it, or my own experience. Instead, I was taught that whatever I thought or felt about God or the Bible didn't matter. He taught me, my pastor taught me, that the only thing that matters is the very Word of God, and that the only way I can know anything about God is through the Bible, because the Bible is inerrant, infallible, and entirely the Word of God. And so... When I became a Catholic, the Catholics taught me that the Bible is not as reliable as the Lutherans said it is. And so this gave me room for other interpretations to get around what the words actually said and to start reading it with my own ideas in mind. And so after some time, I was able to determine who God is for myself. And I made the discovery and came to the conclusion that Jesus is not God. God he is not the Christ not the Savior not the Redeemer of the world he was only a man the son of a man and that's all I need him to be all right that's my interpretation of what she said now I should say this Roman Catholic doctrine has some very problematic teachings about the Bible and I don't think a stretch to say that Catholicism actually led her down this path to where she is today however I don't believe that any Catholics would ever agree with her when she says that Jesus is not God. I want to make sure I say that. That is not what Roman Catholics teach. They believe that Jesus is God. All right. So what, we saw what happened, but the question is, why did it happen? Why did she go from believing that Jesus is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, who took on flesh, who was made man for her sake, for her salvation, And then go to just believing that he's not any of these things, but he's just a man. He's just some really good guy to emulate. Well, the answer to this question is found in some old, fancy Latin phrase. It's called the opinio legis. Opinio legis. And that literally means the opinion of the law. So you all know the distinction between the law and the gospel. The law is what we must do for God, but the gospel is what God does for you, what he does for us. And this is seen chiefly on the cross when Christ spilled his blood for the salvation of the world, for the forgiveness of Of sins. Okay, so what is the opinion legis? It is the opinion of the law, not the opinion that God does something for us, but the opinion that we must do something for Him. So this opinion of the law is the inbred, universal human conviction that you are good enough, or have the potential to be good enough to please God, to be righteous before Him, to earn your way to heaven. This is man's natural opinion of himself, that he can earn salvation. And the shocking thing is this, nobody has to teach it to you. You are born with this opinion. Everyone has this deep-seated natural tendency to assume that this is how you get into heaven. They assume, well, this is how life works. If I don't work, then I don't get paid. So the same thing must apply to God and to heaven. If I don't work, then I can't get into heaven. If I don't do good things, then I can't be in his presence. So this is a deep-seated natural tendency. And so that means that your most or, most original and natural state, what you are you at your most you moment is you defaulting to the law, not the gospel. And if you default back to the law thinking you can save yourself, then you will think less of Jesus because you don't need him as much. Eventually, you believe you're saved by works more and more, and therefore, as far as you are concerned, you need Jesus less and less until the day comes that you finally decide that you don't actually need him at all. You don't need Jesus to be Jesus. You don't need Jesus to be God or the Christ or your substitute. For you, it's simply good enough that he's a man or a historical figure. All right, with all this being said, this is what happened in today's gospel lesson. What eventually led Kristen Zremski to leave the Christian faith is exactly the path the Pharisees were on. So the Pharisees go up to Jesus and they test him with a question of the law. But after Jesus answered their question, he tested them with a question of the gospel. And he asked, what do you think about the Christ whose son is he? And what did they say? The son of David. Okay, that's not wrong. uh, But it's not entirely right. Yes, the Christ, the Messiah, is the son of God, the physical, biological descendant of King David. That's historically true. It's accurate. That's because... That's accurate, but it's not entirely true. It's only a half-truth because Christ is not simply a man or only a man. He is also God. Christ is 100% man, the son of David, and 100% God of God, the son of God. It's one substance with the Father. So when the Pharisees don't get it, that's when Jesus says, look, If the Christ is just the son of David, then how is it that David calls, in Psalm 110, how is it that David calls his son Lord? If David calls his son Lord, then how is he his son? And this is what Jesus is driving home, that Christ is, yes, the son of David, but he is also the Lord of David. It's as if he said, look, I'm the one who descended from David, but I'm also the one who created David. And formed him in his mother's womb. I'm not simply David's son, I'm David's Lord. So the Pharisees read and knew the Old Testament better than any group in the world. So why couldn't they answer this simple question? It's not because the Bible is some convoluted book that's really, really hard to read or understand. It's not that the Pharisees weren't smart enough to get it. It's not that the Pharisees were lazy and needed to work harder at it. It's simply that the Pharisees departed from what the Bible actually said and instead relied upon what their heart taught them and said. They opened the door for their own interpretations, getting around the actual text and started to read it with their own opinions in mind. And the lens with which they read the scriptures was the opinio legis, the opinion that they could save themselves. So this is what I want you to take away from the sermon. If you think you can save yourself, then you no longer need Jesus. And when it comes to salvation, your opinions don't matter. Only God's word matters. You don't, need, you, you, you don't need your own opinions. You need God's word. You need the Bible. You need what it actually says. And you can't afford to live without it. If you try, you will end up like Christians, Remsky and the Pharisees. And this is why skipping church is no joke. It's a very bad thing. And even more, don't think you're off the hook simply because you're here if you 're here, then you need to pay close attention to the words you need to pay attention to the service and the readings and the sermon what good th- think think through it What good is it? If you wake up early, you get dressed, you get ready, you drive here to church, and then you don 't pay attention to anything that 's going on if you 're going to do that, then just stay home. Husbands and fathers not leading your family and devotions at home is. A very bad idea. I mean, at, at the very least, at the very least, read a verse from the Bible and then pray together. At, at, at least. You need God's Word constantly. You need to be reading it. If not, this opinion in your heart is going to grow and you're going to think less and less of your sin and therefore think less and less of your Savior. If you are, are apart from the Word, if you're not in it, if you're around it or beside it or trying to get past the Word, you won't have the Word itself. Now this is also why I keep insisting on what the Bible says and why I don't let anyone bring fancy ideas or interpretations or opinions because we know where this leads us. This is why I'm careful about the words we use the way we talk about God and the Bible. This is why I'm so insistent on doing things the way we do them here because it's all important. If anything is important and deserves this much attention, then it's what happens in church. Now, uh, pastors have been called strict and stuffy because they go by the book. I've heard this before. I prefer the term faithful to God's word, but whatever. I don't really care. Uh, Six years ago, I probably would have cared. In fact, six years ago, I did care. Uh, But if you want to call me strict or rigid or mean or unloving or stuffy or whatever, that's fine. Frankly, it does not matter. The only thing that does matter, and what I do care about, is that you understand the Word of God. What I care about is that you learn what the Bible actually says, and know that you need it more than you can imagine. Because ignoring God's Word, or dismissing it, or following your heart, is a terrible idea. And it comes with a severe consequence. You need the Word of God because in it and through it and because of it and only with it will you have Jesus. If you lose the Word, then you lose Christ. You don't learn who God is through your feelings, emotions, opinions, ideas, or by opening your mind. You don't need to go behind the text or around it. The Bible is clear and says what it means. You learn who God is from the words of the scriptures. When you search the scriptures, you will learn this. There you will always find God in the person of Christ, taking away the sins of the world. When you hear the word, there you will find Jesus, your savior, who is David's son and David's Lord, who is fully God and fully man, who as a man came to take your place, who as your God came to fulfill the law. And there you will find that Jesus came to do what neither David nor you nor anyone else could do. Jesus loved you with every cell in his body, every fiber of his being, every moment of his life. There you will find that with every thought in his brain, every desire in his soul, every word that came out of his mouth, every movement of his limbs, he was winning for you the salvation that you need. When you search the scriptures, there you will find the God who searched for you. There you'll find the God who found you. Jesus loved you with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. And he always will. Dear saints, when you're tempted to do what Kristen Zremski or what the Pharisees did, that is, when you're tempted to think that salvation is in your hands in any way, when you're tempted to think that your sin is some little thing that you can deal with and get rid of on your own, when you're tempted to gloss over who Jesus is and take it for granted, repent. Return to the scriptures and return to God's word and don't give it up. Remember that your feelings, your ideas and opinions don't really matter. What matters is what God says. So no matter how much your heart tells you that you must save yourself and earn your salvation, the word of God says that your heart is wrong. Your salvation never once depends upon who you are and what you do. Your salvation depends solely upon who Jesus is and what he's done for you on the cross. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn Our works cannot salvation gain, they merit only endless pain. Forgive us, Lord, to Christ we flee, who pleads for us endlessly. Have mercy, Lord. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.